Well, like I had mentioned this morning, we're going to be in the book of James. Um, we'll be in chapter 3 if you wanted to turn there. I don't know if you guys keep up with much when it comes to the news. It's kind of hard to keep track of all the craziness that's going on in the world nowadays because it seems like something's finally coming to conclusion and something crazy happens right afterwards and it's kind of hard to keep track of it all. But the interesting thing is, is I've actually heard there's actually been a little bit of news about, let me go ahead and actually get my mic on, a little easier to hear. With all the craziness going on, there was actually been news recently of uh, a new set of, what is it, uh, weapons of mass destruction. I know we, we had this big issue years ago that we had wars fought over weapons of mass destruction, and there's always talk of certain countries getting nuclear warheads and, and all this different stuff going on, but there's actually been some new reports of uh, weapons of mass destruction. And the interesting thing is it's been reported in, in North America and more specifically in America that these reports have been found. And not only that, it's actually here in Florida and in Orange Park here in Central Baptist Church. This weapon of mass destruction has destroyed more families, more lives than any other weapon in history. And that is the tongue. With some uh, semantics and theater aside, I have never seen people destroy their lives more than with an evil tongue. And the funny thing is, is oftentimes people get themselves in trouble in other evil situations usually begins with their speech, with their tongue. And what we're going to be looking at tonight, oh, it would help if I wasn't in Acts, but in James myself. I can't even find the right place to be in. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be actually going through um, and looking at, uh, really, we're going to be going through about 12 verses here in James. And we'll just go ahead and start getting into to some of this that uh, James declares to us. James is such an encouraging uh, and really more of a challenging book to read through because it's a very practical um, challenge to the Christian life and how we should, should live. And, of course, being a Christian, living a holy life, it's going to include what we do with, with our tongue, with our mouth, and how we speak. Now, of course... It's interesting because when you look at James, and I believe that there's no coincidence that when um, James 2 starts ending with the the conversation of um, faith and works, that God actually uses Rahab as an example of that. Because she was a woman that not only said and had faith in God, but she stuck her neck out to protect the spies and to, to actually put herself in a situation 
with her, her tongue, she used it for good rather than evil. Good night. This microphone does not like me. Um, now, here in James 3, it's, it's a little bit different. Now, the first thing that we have to realize, starting in verse 1, is that there's a discretion of the tongue when we start talking about this. Now, verse 1, it says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Verse 1 we have to realize that and we must recognize that being a master, which is really a teacher, is what this, this passage is, is talking about. When it talks about there's many masters, if you look at the Greek, it's actually talking about teachers. Oftentimes, Christ himself, when, they, when people would come to Christ, come to Jesus, they would sometimes refer to him as master. And that was because he was a teacher, and we realize that there are many teachers that we have in our lives. And we have to be careful. There's, there's a couple of perspectives that we, we can recognize in this, this verse. But we have to be careful because not every teacher is the same. Not every teacher, I mean, uh, not every teacher will teach you the, the same thing. But there's also the, the thing we have to keep in mind is not every teacher has the same um, motive in mind. I, I can't tell you how many times when I was a substitute teacher that you could tell that some teachers had some agendas. And you have to be careful on who you give ear to. But the funny thing is, um, James himself is not so much addressing the pupils, but he is addressing the teachers themselves. He's talking to teachers And we must be careful of how we teach and what we teach as there is always greater responsibility and a greater standard in which we are held. When a, when a teacher is not doing what they're supposed to, it has greater gravity in other people's lives than when they're not a teacher. So it's like the aspect of if you have a cop that's going around breaking the law, He's typically held to a higher standard oftentimes. We, as a society, hold them to a higher standard. When a politician does something that is wrong, we hold them oftentimes to a higher standard because of the quality of person that that, that position requires. Uh, same thing, and the funny thing is, is before we actually get in the aspect of the tongue, James wants to establish that we are teachers. There is always someone that is looking up to you and looking for guidance in how you live your life and how they should live their life. Whether or not you sign up to be a Sunday school teacher or you actually teach a class in a school, there's always someone that is looking up to you as a leader that you're teaching them through the way you live how they should live their life themselves. Now, when we go to look at verse 2, there is great gravity of being that teacher. For in many things we offend in all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. 
For in many things we offend all. There are two perspectives in which to keep in mind with this phrase. We must first establish the fact that when it talks about being offended, it is speaking of being a stumbling block. Not, not to pick on the whole stereotypical Karen, quote-unquote. Um, when someone is offended like we think of today, I, I can't tell you how many times I drive my van wrong or, drive, or park my van wrong when I'm working and someone gets offended and someone gets upset. That's not the type of offense that the Bible is talking about in this. It is talking about a stumbling block. We, are, as teachers, can easily, if we do not take this seriously, be a stumbling block to those that follow us. We also have to keep in mind that everyone can stumble, and being a teacher and having pupils, in a sense, and even peers that look up to us, or at us, if we are, um, are offensive and a stumbling block, um, that is, uh, when we stumble, we are not the only ones that it affects. And I can tell you, even when I was a substitute, just to talk about teachers in that perspective, even when I was a substitute teacher, there were some teachers that actually looked up to me just because I, I handled a lot of situations very well. And I knew how to work with kids. And the funny thing is, is even peers, even other people that could be the same age, if not older, can oftentimes look up to other people that are younger or their same age. So it's one of those things where you have to keep in mind that you are, a, a, it's your testimony. Matthew twelve thirty six actually says, Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Now, we grow up as kids, and I know I said this, and it's always been kind of an American, uh, um, is it a trope or whatever, but sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I mean, with all the little sayings kids can say, that is one of the most false things. Because words do hurt. They can affect someone's life. I can't remember how many times I've said things that I immediately wish never entered my mind, let alone exited my mouth. And while we may heal from sticks and stones... Uh, I don't think I've ever, I, I've, some of the, the longest lasting wounds I see in some people's lives are, are things that have been said to them that will affect them for the rest of their lives. So if someone says, oh, it doesn't matter what comes out of my mouth, because a lot of Christians have that mindset. Oh, it doesn't matter what I say. I can say whatever I want. This is a free country. Well, well sure, this is legally a free country. But there are consequences for how we run our mouths. Of course, the passage continues, If any man offend you, offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. There's a way to live a life that is not a stumbling block to those around us with what we teach and what we say. There is a correlation with not being a stumbling block to, uh, stumbling block to those around us and with uh, maturity and wisdom. Perfect is not speaking of a sinless, a sinless man, but speaking of someone that is complete in who they are in Christ. 
They are wise. They are mature. If someone is able to bridle the tongue, it is the greatest of all members to keep under control. Someone that can control their speech in such a way will be someone that would be able to control their body and other desires. If, if, and it's kind of funny. I have some people that will ask me, I mean, I, I replace massive components and AC units for a living. And some people come up to me with a filter and be like, hey, do you know how to install this filter? Um, I know how to completely break down an AC system and rebuild it. Of course I can replace a filter. That's that. If I know how to do this greater thing, this lesser thing is, is easier. It, of course I will be able to do it. If I can drive a big 18-wheeler, do you think a car would be hard for me to drive too? No, an 18-wheeler requires so much greater skill in driving. If someone could successfully lead a country as a president, and I mean successfully, do you think they could be a principal of a high school? Uh, there's, there's that aspect where oftentimes if, if we could learn to bridle our tongue, it would make life a lot easier because we've mastered one of the hardest things in the Christian life, and that is our mouth, our words. Now, of course, after we look at the discretion of the tongue, we must look at the degree of the tongue. For us to understand the magnitude of the tongue, the Bible gives us different pictures in which to to describe it. It paints different pictures in which we can apply how powerful the, the tongue can become. If there is someone that downplays the weight that our words hold, he is a fool. If a Christian will downplay what they say as unimportant, like I was saying before, they're deceiving themselves. They're being foolish. Now, if we look through verse 3 to 5, it says, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, and they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, great a matter a little fire kindleth. So the Bible paints a couple of pictures for us to compare the tongue to. Because the, the tongue um, being the actually greatest muscle in the body, it's actually the strongest muscle in the body, the, the tongue can do so much more damage than the rest of, of our actions can actually do. And of course, the, uh, an American author exclaimed, the meaning I pick, the one that changed my life, overcome fear and behold wonder. And the funny thing is, is when you look at verse 3 to 5, the Bible actually uses this word, behold. It says, behold, behold, behold. And the funny thing is, is we read over that, that word, and, and we really don't use it in our common vernacular. When was the last time you, uh, I, I can't remember the last time I went up to a man and said, behold. And no, I, I've, I've never even really used that word in a social way. 
But the funny thing is, is if we don't pay attention, we'll not, we'll skip over the fact that when you behold something, it's not just something that you see. It's something that you witness. It's something that you examine. It's something that has an effect on you. When someone tells you to behold something, there is something wondrous and amazing to see. The word itself, behold, is to look at, to observe, often used in an imperative to draw attention to something. And the funny thing is, is the first part of this, he says, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. Now, the funny thing is, is you can go on Amazon right now and you can buy a bit that they're talking about for 60 bucks. 60 bucks you can buy a bit for a horse. It's something that would sit in the palm of your hand. It's not large. And it usually weighs about two pounds. A typical horse can weigh, on average, somewhere between 1,500 to 2,200 pounds. The tallest and heaviest horse in the in history was called the Shire. Oh, it was actually a Shire gelding named Samson, which is kind of funny. Pastor going through Samson right now. He was also known as Mammoth. This horse was bred by Thomas Cleaver of Todding, uh, what a Toddington Mills, Bedford's uh, Bed Bedfordshire, Bedfordshire. In the United Kingdom, and in 1850, this horse stood seven feet, two and a half inches tall. Okay? And weighed more than 3,300 pounds. 3,359 pounds it weighed in at. Yet a two-pound mouthpiece. Two pounds a bit could make nearly a two-ton horse do anything a handler wanted him to do. That's amazing. I don't know if you've ever gone horseback riding, but there's that, that is an exhilarating thing to do. And it's actually amazing how just a little bit of pressure in the right place can make that horse do whatever you want it to do. Also, the ships, which, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Now, if you don't know, the word helm comes from the Old English word meaning rudder. As mentioned, the rudder is the physical mechanism used to turn the boat, which could be controlled through the the tiller. Now, I also looked this up. There is an oil tanker. It is no longer in commission. Um, it was decommissioned back in 2009, and I think that they've scrapped it since then. But it was the largest vessel ever created by man. It was called the Seawise Giant, and it was also known as a lot of other names Obama, the Happy Giant, Jahir Viking, Nock Nevis, and Mont. This was one of the longest and heaviest ships ever built. It was a super tanker. 
It was a super tanker. It was actually designed to, to haul uh, oil, fuel. Now, the Seawise Giant was the largest moving man-made object on the planet. Not only the largest ship, but it was the largest moving vessel in history. If you took the Empire State Building and laid it down, this ship would be bigger and longer than the Empire State Building. To give it a little perspective... Now, this ship spanned uh, 1,504 feet and had a staggering gross tonnage of 260,000 gross tons. In fact, when it was full of fuel, this tanker would have weighed more than 564,000 pounds. Now, with a ship this size... The rudder weighed in at 230 tons. Okay. Now, granted, that's a big rudder. That is one big piece of metal. But when you actually compare the size of that rudder compared to this behemoth of a ship, this rudder was 0.04% of the weight of the ship itself. This small rudder compared to the ship could turn the largest vessel. It wasn't a group of rudders. It was one rudder. Again, a small member controlling a large object. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Just as a bit and a horse and a rudder and a ship This tongue will put you in places you want to be or don't want to be. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. In 2003, during one of the hottest summers Europe experienced up to that point in history, a series of extremely devastating blazes in the Taja forest of eastern Siberia destroyed over 55 million acres. 55 million acres of land. A combination of extremely arid conditions and increased human exploitation during recent decades are believed to have played a role in what is remembered as the worst and most devastating and largest wildfire in human history. The fires spread across Siberia and Russia, far east, northern uh, China, and northern Mongolia, sending a plume of smoke that reached Koyota, Koyoto, sorry, Koyoto, which is in Japan, Tokyo, Japan, thousands of miles away. The ash and the smoke was affecting them. Now, the tongue can be controlled. The tongue can be controlled like a a rudder or a bit, or it can be a tool in destruction. Notice, uh, Notice one thing that the Bible does not talk about is hiding the tongue. Hiding the tongue really doesn't help. You have, like, the tongue is a uh, byproduct of what's within the heart. And I'm, before I get ahead of myself, there's a lot. Uh, there's going to be a few things I'll say about there.
But if you notice, when it talks about the bit and when it talks about the rudder, it's talking about how the, the small member has a positive effect on the actual ship and the horse. But the funny thing is, is when it equates it to the fire, it really shows you that there's only two options with the tongue. You either control it or you let it destroy you. And also, you have to recognize the fact that there is someone controlling it. The bit does not, the bit does not have a mind of its own, and a rudder does not have a mind of its own. Those two small members are controlled by someone else. And the same way, our tongue must be controlled by us, or it will control you. Now, We've, we've looked at a couple of things already. We've, we've looked at the, the discretion of the tongue. We've looked at the degree of the tongue. But let's look at the destructiveness of the tongue. It says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among you, our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth to fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of the birds and of the serpents and of the things in the sea, it is tamed and has uh, hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame, for it is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewe- uh, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we man, which are made after the similitude of God. Our tongues are involved in all kinds of mischief. And the funny thing is, if you think about it, every other sin is going to be surrounded by evil speech. It is a leaven and will infect those that do not have the wherewith to purposely extinguish in an evil conversation or to simply remove themselves. It is through the tongue in which the heart is truly seen. Intentions are realized and evil is rallied. The funny thing is, is your spirit that evil speech is the first thing you'll realize that someone's typically a criminal. It's usually through the tongue that you'll realize that someone has evil intentions towards you. It is through the tongue that we actually see the, the actual mischief that people get themselves into. It starts with the tongue. Matthew 12, 34 tells us, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being, uh, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it? Proverbs 10, 19-21 says, In the multitude of words there um, there wanteth not sin but he that refraineth his lips is wise the tongue of the just is as choice silver the heart of the wicked is still is little worth the lips of the righteous free uh, feed many but the fools die for uh, want of wisdom um do you ever watch someone that keeps talking and keeps getting themselves further into a bad situation I know I've done it. Yeah, I know. Brother Jim, Brother Jim was a good example of this this evening before service even started. He just kept digging himself a hole. What was it? I said, uh, I don't even think there's a, uh, an excavator that can dig a hole as fast as Brother Jim can with his mouth. <laughs> I 
and there's a there's a funny saying and and I, I just I don't know it'll probably stick with me for the rest of my life but never miss out on a good opportunity to shut up never miss on a good opportunity to shut up and the interesting thing is is when you when you look at that Proverbs 10:19 to 21 the tongue of the just is as choice silver not just normal silver but the high-end silver, the, the very pure silver, the, the, the silver that's been worked very well by master silversmiths. And the funny thing is, is the tongue of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. Not only is the mouth of the wicked of little worth, their heart is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many. Uh, a man that, and a woman that is righteous, and especially in their, the way they speak, will not only provide for themselves, but provide for those that are around them. But the funny thing is, is a fool will die for want of wisdom. He will sit there wanting and begging just to know what to speak and when to speak it. Proverbs 13.3 says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs 29.20 says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Proverbs 21.23 says, Who keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Proverbs 18.13 says that he that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. I've seen that many a times and I've done it myself. You ever answer a question before it's actually asked? And you're like, oh, never mind. I shouldn't have answered that way. And Proverbs seventeen twenty eight says, Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Knowing when to actually open your mouth and say something, it's a hard thing to do. It is a hard thing to do. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's simple and easy. But if we can learn to keep our mouth under control, it'll keep us out of so many problems in life. And the funny thing is, is oftentimes you, you listen to people that have quarrels with each other Nine times out of ten, it's something they said. It's actually a lot less that it's physical, and there's a greater chance that it's something that they've spoken that has done damage to people they love. Proverbs twelve twenty five says, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. And the funny thing is, is James actually makes this reference of animals all across the world have been tamed. You go to a circus and what do you see? A lion that's been tamed. You see tigers and bears. Oh my. You see Shamu and dolphins. Dolphins are supposedly the, the second most intelligent um, creature in, in, on earth and they attribute human being the, the smartest animal on earth. But the funny thing is the Shamu and dolphins galore across all sea worlds. 
I, gr- I actually grew up in Texas, and there was a sea world we go to all the time. And the funny thing is, is these animals are trained. You go to, to zoos, innumerable zoos across the world, and you'll see all types of feathers being trained. Birds of prey. Glorious animals. Yet trained. But man in his natural state will never and could never tame his own tongue. Now let's lastly look at the divergence of the tongue. In verse 9, it says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren. These these things ought uh, things ought not be uh, ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with the meekness of wisdom. And there's, it's kind of interesting because when you start to look at this, you can't have good and evil proceeding. I don't know why this comes to mind, but the funny thing is, is if you're cooking... And I, I know Amanda's probably going to laugh at me in a second. I watch a lot of cooking videos. But you watch some of these cooking videos and you listen to these chefs. The funny thing is, is if you're making a soup and you let that get a little bit too hot, all it takes is one second of that pot to burn a little bit of that soup, your soup's done. And all it takes is a little corruption. All it takes is a little leaven. All it takes is a little, a little salt water and fresh water that ruins it. You cannot have fresh and salt water come out of a fountain. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 16.24 says, Pleasant words are as a honeycomb sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Luke 6.45 says, A good man out of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Let no corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth, but which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Ephesians 4.29 and in Proverbs 15:23 a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth a word spoken in due season how good is it Proverbs 15:1 through 4 says a soft answer turneth away wrath but grievous words stir up anger a wholesome tongue is a tree of life but pers- uh, per- perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit 1 Peter 3.10 For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and in his lips that they speak no guile. We can't have evil and good 
come out. I'd hate to eat a little honeycomb that started to go bad. That'd just ruin it. Man, I love, I love, Amanda, she's, she, it's funny, I've gone through a lot of honey in the past year or two. I like honey. But man, just a little bit of it going bad can, it spoils the bun. It spoils the, the, your honey in general. You can't have sweet and bitter out of your mouth. I can't, I have to stop breathing into this mic. I feel like Darth Vader or something. There's one last passage I want to read, which when I was doing this study, I honestly, for whatever reason, the the Lord kept bringing this one passage out of Matthew. And I think it's a great example of the Christian life and the Christian walk. And the tongue plays a massive part in how this interaction takes place. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, it says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him still seven times? Jesus uh, saith unto him, I say unto unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, all that he had, and the payments to be made. And the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord of all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all the debt which thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have the compassion on thy fellow servant? Even as I had pity on thee, and his Lord was wroth, and delivered him into the uh, tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto ye, you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now I, I believe that the Lord was bringing this to the to the to mind and to my heart as I was studying this was the fact that when we talk of the tongue, we have control of the tongue, but the tongue will reveal what it is that we have in our hearts. And we, we've read three, four, five verses through this whole study that speak of it out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaketh. The mouth speaketh. But the funny thing is, is we see a, a we see the Lord, which represents the Heavenly Father, 
that gives grace and compassion to a servant. But that servant's heart was evil. And in one breath, he is praising and worshiping God, asking for forgiveness, and yet turning around and cursing his fellow servant. And sadly, when it comes to our tongue, so many Christians will do this with each other. They'll come on a Sunday and worship the Lord. Hands up high and just singing and praising. But through the week, they'll curse and say things unbelievable. None of us are perfect and we all make mistakes. But I wonder where we are as Christians. Do we find ourselves oftentimes praising God and then turning around and casting evil speech upon others? Even against our, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you, are you at that point where maybe you realize, man, I really don't have control over my mouth like I should. Maybe you're finding yourself to where you're kind of going back and forth, praising God one moment, cursing man the next. I don't know where it is that you are in your, your walk with, with God when it comes to using your tongue But there is hope. There is hope. We can go to verse after verse after verse where Christ will renew the spirit. He will work in your heart. He can make your mind fresh and anew. If you find yourself struggling with your tongue, the place to go is to the word of God. And uh, in prayer with the Lord. I work with, good night, I work with a whole bunch of rough guys. I work, I work with a rough group of individuals. And the funny thing is, is even, uh, and I know some, well, there's a friend of mine that works for the same company I work in. He has, he has biblical standards and principles that he stands on no matter what. And the funny thing is, is him and I have both had the same experience to where we're working with guys and they're like, hey man, just, just drop the F-bomb. Just do this. You're saying me, you don't say this, 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 blankety blank, 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 blank. No. I haven't said that since I was 17 years old. I'm not going to start saying that stuff now. The thing is, I can't even bring myself to... to utter these things that some of these guys deem as, as right. A, a Christian should have a hard time speaking as such. And not only just in the aspect of, of cursing, which is it sounds childish that I even mention it that way, but how much greater should it be hard for us to curse other people? to wish and speak evil things to other people. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm guilty. 
And you should see when I drive. I take after my father when it comes to driving. I talk to everyone. Oh, you, yeah, Sarah's been laughing at me all week because I laughed out butthead. Why'd he cut me off? Uh, I, didn't, I, I need to get better with that. Uh, and I do take after my father. You should see my dad. Holy cow. Ooh, wow. Um, but that's not an excuse for me. And, and I'll be honest, I do do that. I need to get better. And I, I know Amanda's going to give me a hard time a lot after this now. Honey, you said you're going to stop doing that, which is good. I appreciate that. I want her to do that. But let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Um, and uh, we'll be, uh, we'll actually have, um, do you mind playing a, a quick um, invitation for us?